Thank you very much. It's lovely to be with you. Uh, looking very fresh, actually, and mainly awake. Um, <laughs> I, I really want to commend Highgrove for doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And I think that um, for, for two reasons, really. First of all, the work of the Holy Spirit is kingdom business. And as such, we are in a conflict. We're in a kingdom conflict in the world. And the ministry of the kingdom of God is always resisted, both by this world, just by our kind of fleshly, kind of well, independent human stuff, but also by the, the powers of darkness that oppose Jesus. And so, honestly, if we're going to be people of the Spirit, we have to keep pressing that pedal. We have to keep fighting for it because what tends to happen in, in church history, the things that begin in the Spirit, can, the Spirit can be managed out. We can lose the, the freshness of the Holy Spirit, which is why Paul says, go on being filled with the Spirit. And, and it actually takes a community to say, this is one of our values, that we are not going to be displaced. I suppose the second reason why I think it's so good to be pressing on this particular series is that in order to do the, the, what we're called to do in the world, to be followers of Jesus, we can't really do any of it without the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't know about you, but the, the work of the Spirit is so comprehensive and, and the call to follow Jesus is so big. Jesus calls us to be like him in our character. And I know that I can't be good unless I have the fruit of the Holy Spirit growing in me. Jesus calls me into a relationship with God, and I know that I need the Spirit to cry, Abba, Father, and to help me to pray. I know that Jesus has called us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, and I know that I can't do that, and I can't do the things that Jesus did unless the Holy Spirit helps. I'm just going to turn my timer on, actually. The novelty value, I can't do that just right now. <laughs> right. There's a clock there. Who needs a timer? Right? Um, so so we, we really need the Holy Spirit. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, there, there are some, some distinctives. And one of the key distinctives of the Holy Spirit is prophecy. Now, if someone said to you, there's a prophet in town, what images would come to mind? Could you just maybe shout them out? Any, any uh, Sorry? Yeah, so John the Baptist figure. And John the Baptist, when we think of the prophet, they're a bit stern, a bit austere. They may well have a beard, you know, or, or you know, whatever. But we have that kind of picture in our mind, a prophet, someone a bit weird, a bit mysterious, and someone not like us. Is that how it is? All right, yeah, you agree with me? In the Old Testament, prophets were exceptional people. They were the few. They were the people that God raised up to speak to, to, to provoke, to challenge the people of God. So, because so much of the Old Testament actually is prophetic writing, that's where we default to in our minds very often, isn't it? We think of Jeremiah, we think of Isaiah, or we think of, of the schools of prophets like Elijah and Elisha had. Or we might think like John the Baptist, who's perhaps last in the line of that, um, those Old Testament prophets. But we are not an Old Testament people. We're a New Testament people. And in the Old Testament, what was for the few, in the New Testament becomes for the many. In the Old Testament, what was exceptional, in the New Testament becomes the new normal. And 
In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, we read about the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. And I think we may have those verses coming up now. So, in the last days, this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost to the crowd of people who are witnessing what was happening to those very first believers when the Spirit of God that they'd been waiting for came upon them. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. So you see the repetition of the prophetic word there and the inclusivity of it. So I won't read the rest of that passage right now. But there it is. It's for all people. Old men, young men, women. Men's servants, maid servants, rich and poor. The gift of prophecy, they will prophesy. It's that inclusive thing. So if that's not enough, let's have a look at what Paul says when he writes to the church. And, and Paul writes a letter called 1 Corinthians, um, which is to a church which kind of celebrates the work of the Holy Spirit. And um, in, in that, that verse, in, in that chapter, in that book, he's writing about prophecy. And he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to, to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They understand mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So I'm going to just, again, say there's something there where Paul is encouraging everybody to look for this gift. 14 verse 1 again. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. Now, actually, in the New Testament, there are some lists of spiritual gifts. Three of the, those lists, which, which I often talk about, distinctive ones, in Romans chapter 12... In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4, they give very diverse gifts that people have to be part of the family of God. Paul loves to talk about the church as a body made up of many parts, and we've all got our place to play. And, and the list of gifts kind of gives some of the breadth of things that God equips his people to do. I often say that the God, the kingdom of heaven is a bit like a party. Part of where we all get to celebrate good things and we've all got something to contribute and God wants to give us gifts to bring to the party so that we can all have a good time. But again, it's really interesting that in those three lists of the gifts of the Spirit, I'm trying to say that without too much lisping, but um, it, it, prophecy is there in all of them. It's the only one that's there in all of them. So when Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 is saying, if your gift is... Is, is leadership. If your gift is prophecy, he, he's saying, you know, it's in those gifts that, that we, gifts that God has put within us, gifts that we have that we're told to use. In 1 Corinthians 12, it's gifts that we seek, eagerly desire these gifts, these are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 4, these are gifts that we become. We become a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, but prophecy is there in all of them. So it has this huge di dimension. So if it's true for everyone, but if the idea that we have is a bit mysterious, one of the reasons that we may not live in the good of being a prophetic people is that we need the mystery unpacked a little bit. What exactly is prophecy anyway? What is it? 
Do they want to shout out what they think it is? <coughs> if you're on Zoom, shout really loudly. Speaking God's word. Okay, thank you. That was good and loud, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and so who speaks God's word? Does a preacher speak God's word? Okay, from time to time. <laughs> so, so, so God's word could come in that formal context, actually. And we hope that preachers have something of the word of God. Okay, so, so let's, let's stay there. The word of God, God is speaking. God is a God who speaks. In fact, God is always speaking. God is speaking far more than people are listening. That's the reality. Someone writing about prophecy said that in some ways God is like, God's word is like radio waves or TV signals. It's always going out. The question is, are we tuning in? I think about Isaiah when God says, all day long I held out my hands to a disobedient people. Who was listening, really? God is speaking. In fact, the psalmist talks about the creation speaking the glory of God. Jesus comes into Jerusalem and says, you know, actually, if the little children are proclaiming my name, the very rocks and stones would, because God is speaking, and he's speaking to us, and he's speaking about himself. He's speaking about his nature. He's speaking about our nature. He's speaking about his desire for our relationship. He's speaking about his purpose for us. He's all speaking. Lots of the time, we're not listening. Spiritually, we can be deaf and blind and not tuned into the communication of God, but God is speaking. And whenever we speak the word of God, we are being, in a way, prophetic, I think. So often we, 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 we kind of think of prophecy as predictive, something that is looking forward, something that's going to tell us about the future. And that can indeed be an element of prophecy because God is, is outside of time and knows all things and from time to time shares that knowledge with us. But anything that is revelation from God, I think, could come under that big banner of what's prophetic. And uh, a definition, a dictionary definition, is, is to speak as if divinely inspired. So it's not about the future, but it's, it's the fact that God's unction, God's uh, prompting, God's breath, if you like, God's life is in what we're saying. And so it has a different quality about it, maybe a ring of truth. A ring of, that's God. Which means that from time to time, the Bible seems to indicate even people who don't know God, sometimes even people who oppose to God can be prophetic. Great example, Caiaphas, the high priest, who's planning to put Jesus to, to death. And the New Testament records um, when he says it's better that one man dies for the people than all the people perish. Well, the New Testament says, well, he was a high priest. He was prophesying. Didn't realise it, but he was. And from time to time, we, we may find that God speaks to us even through someone who we didn't know knew God, and maybe they didn't know God, but God is speaking to us. If he can speak through creation, he can speak through a human being who doesn't yet know him. One time he spoke through a donkey, you know, and, um, and maybe he's doing that this morning. Anyway, um, <laughs> so God's always speaking, and to, to speak as if divinely inspired is to be a prophet. And um, someone, um, I heard say this, sometimes the prophetic can be to state the obvious with anointing. It's the same idea, actually. It's not that it's brand new, but it's divinely inspired, but it's got anointing on it. You know, every now and then a prophetic word is like stating the obvious. Here's one from the Bible. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. 
Paul, wherever he goes, gets into trouble. Is he likely to get into trouble in Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem is the center of, of the worship of, of, of God in Judaism. And Paul has been very controversial wherever he's gone with people who are Orthodox Jews because they see him as a bit of a kind of schismatic, someone who's perhaps leading people astray. Is it likely that Paul is going to get into trouble in Jerusalem? Yes. When Paul's on his way to Jerusalem, a prophet called Agabus meets him. And he takes Paul's belt. He wraps it around his own hands. He says, in the same way, the owner of this belt will be bound and handed over to the Gentiles when he goes to Jerusalem. And Paul says, you know, the Holy Spirit's been warning me everywhere I go that I'm going to have trouble when I go to Jerusalem. It's not a surprise to Paul. But why is it prophetic? Well, first of all, it's a confirmation of things that will be and an encouragement to everybody who hears that word that these things are not outside of God's foreknowledge and sovereign grace. Maybe the word was more for the listeners than for Paul himself. Every now and then we need to know that God knows. Sometimes the obvious but with anointing means that when something happens, we remember that this is not a surprise to God and it's in God's grace and hands. So if that's prophecy, divinely inspired communication. And that communication with words for sure. But sometimes with lifestyle, sometimes with dramatic action. That's often how prophets spoke in the Old Testament. I actually think it's got different degrees of, I suppose, authority and intensity. I think in the Bible we can see prophetic speech, which is more for me than for anybody else. In fact, speaking tongues can be a bit like that, I think. Paul wrote, it edifies um, the person who's speaking, but it doesn't do much for anybody else because they don't understand it. And sometimes there can be times where there's what I would call an ecstatic flow. The work of the Spirit is there, and things are pouring out of us. And it might be like praise. That's what people heard on the day of Pentecost, praise of God. But we probably don't have much of it recorded in the Bible because it wasn't weighty in that way. But then the second thing that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, I think, which I, I would call inspirational prophecy for the purposes of this talk, is where we bring something from God to somebody else. And Paul says that's for the purposes, purposes of education, encouragement and comfort. Or exhortation, encouragement, and comfort. In other words, it's God bringing some comfort, some good news, some hope, some revelation from Him to someone else, and we can all do that. There are elements of the prophetic ministry that need greater accountability because they're weightier. Things that bring pronouncements, things that speak about. Judgment. I'm not saying they're not part of the prophetic mantle, but I'm not saying that's. A, I, I don't think that's the starting place. I think we start following the way of love, and desiring to bring a blessing to the people that we love, as God does. That's where God's starting point is. He loves us, and He wants us to know that we're loved. And the reason that the prophetic is so important is that there are lots of other voices out there, which will be undermining us. The word for 
um, one of the ways of translating the Spirit that um, we find in John's Gospel when Jesus is teaching about the Spirit is the word advocate. Where does that come from? Law, did someone say? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? An, an advocate is probably a defence lawyer, really. Someone who's speaking on our defence. What's, what's the opposite of a defence lawyer? A prosecutor, all right. An accuser. Do you know that's a word that, that means that Satan means that, actually. Satan is an accuser. That's what the word means. It's somebody, if, if you like, sometimes the Bible gives a picture as if there's a divine law court and there's, a, there's an accuser, a prosecutor, Satan. Very clear in the Old Testament and actually the New Testament sometimes. That's the name, one of the names for the enemy of our souls. And it's not surprising that when Jesus says, I'm going to give you another comforter to be with you forever, the advocate there will be a voice from heaven speaking into our hearts and minds, into our souls, because we tune in so easily to negative voices. Has anyone ever felt rubbish about themselves? Has anyone ever felt guilty and condemned? Where does that voice come from? Well, it might come from your human nature, from the things that have happened to you in life. It may be that that voice is also tinged with a, a, an actually spiritual voice that's not the voice of God. It's the voice of the demonic. God never condemns us. Jesus said, who is it that condemns you? It's not me. Maybe that's a word for someone. To, maybe that is a prophetic word for you today. Who is it that condemns you? Neither do I condemn you. It's not me. In fact, God wants to call out from you treasure. He wants to speak to you and call out the more he wants to speak to you and call out your image. So when Jesus speaks to people, he will say things that, hey, you're surely not talking about me. He says to Peter, Peter, I'm going to, Simon, you're no longer going to be called Simon. Your name's going to be Peter, Cephas, the rock. That's what it means in, in the Greek language. And on this rock I'll build my church. Peter, a bit flaky. Peter who denied Jesus. Peter who is impulsive and um, I'm going to make you a rock. Jesus encounters Nathaniel. You're a true Israelite in whom there's no guile. Jesus, that's the kind of prophetic word that comes from Jesus, calling out the treasure in people, calling out the identity. And I, I love it when God speaks to us and, and we know that he knows us. I'll just give you a um, story from my own life, just in terms of the way the prophetic has been. Um, I remember once um, in our Henley's building, um, a visiting church leader just just had a word for me. He said, I think God's saying to you, David, you can be a jack of all trades or a master of one. It's a simple word, but it's really stuck with me. And, and, and it kind of like, felt like God was offering me a choice, either to be a bit of a generalist or a bit of a specialist. I think if I was thinking about that now, because I didn't really quite know what to say, I thought, I'd like to be a jack of all trades and a master of one. <laughs> a bit of both and there. But for me, it's quite helpful in kind of thinking, okay, actually to do this, what I'm being called to do at the moment, I may need to be in all kinds of spheres and not yet focusing on one area. But maybe there are phases in ministry. But it just was helpful for me at that time in church planting. Sometimes church planting, you need to be a jack of all trades and be okay with that. Maybe I'm not going to be the greatest worship leader or the greatest preacher, but I can do a little bit of everything. Another time, um, we were having a staff meeting at Woodlands Church and um, we had a visiting Bible teacher with a prophetic ministry called Ken McGreevy came to speak to us. 
and he was just going to just do a Bible study with us and, and then pray over the team. Just before the service, that, that gathering, I was just in a private room with Pam Scott Cook and Nigel Reed, uh, formerly church leader here. And I just said to them, I'm really worried about money at the moment. You know, we've got a lot of pressure on us financially. I'm really worried about myself and the family. We kept having kids. It was Tina's fault. She wanted loads. Anyway, and, um, you know, we're in this kind of rented house. And you know what it's like, is it pressures when you've got young families. So I just sharing my anxiety. So that, we had the, the Bible study then, um, Ken prayed over everybody. When he came to me, he said, see God's presence like a cloud coming over you. God is going to release financial provision for you and your family. Can you imagine what I felt when I heard that? It was just exceptional in the room. It wasn't like he was saying to everybody. He said it to me because that was the need on my heart. So for me, resonance straight away. We know that God knows our stuff. But when God shares what he knows with someone else, we really know that God knows, don't we? It has that thing that increases our faith. And for me, I just felt, oh, I can trust God. He knows what I'm going through. Better yet, perhaps. No, that was the best thing, actually. But that week, money started coming my way. <laughs> and um, I got a thing through from the Norwich, you know, a very small private pension that Neil Kingston had encouraged me to take out, I think. And they said, we're floating the company, Thousand penny shares coming away. I thought a thousand pennies. Well, that can't be bad, but of course it wasn't a thousand pennies. It was more like fifteen hundred quid. You know, just came through. It should have been there a year ago, I think. Anyway, there it was. And then someone else stopped in the street. I let the money written off. To it. I just felt God say, "I should be repaying you that money." And from then on, you know, actually, I felt God's provision for me and the family has been great. So, a word that spoke to my heart brought some release. As I look at the clock, I think my twenty minutes is up. So, I would just like us to be a bit practical. Do you believe, do, do you hear from God? Put your hands up if you don't. <laughs> really? Great. So you'll hear from God, do you believe that? How do you hear from God? You hear from him in all kinds of ways, don't you? You hear from him through the Bible. You hear from him in your heart, in your conscience. God speaks to you, you resonate with that. Do you hear from him for other people? You know, it's easier to bring a message of comfort to someone than you love than anybody else. That's the, that's the fertile ground for it. And today, well, let's have the opportunity to listen to God just corporately together. I'm going to do a little exercise. This is going to help you, maybe. It may not. But I want to close your, your eyes. Think about a friend that you've not seen for a long time. Have you got that in your mind now? Yeah? Okay. All right, you can open your eyes again. Actually, that's sometimes how God gives us an impression of some, some, somebody that he has on his heart, somebody he wants us to speak to. Something that, how do you, how do you describe what you just did? What, what language you put it? Did you have a picture? Did you have an impression? Did you have a memory? What was it? Something happened in that inner realm of your mind and imagination that helped you get a sense specifically for someone. Now, as well as using the Bible, as well as using our conscience, God wants to give us impressions of what he's saying. And those could come in all kinds of ways. But right now, I would like you just to listen and see if God drops something on your heart for someone that you love, maybe someone in the room today, 
someone watching online, or something for us as a community to encourage us and to comfort and strengthen us. So let's take a moment to, to listen. Father God, as we open our hearts and our minds to you, please will you speak to us today? Bring us a word that might be obvious, but it's got anointing. It's your heart as well as our heart. Speak to us in ways that we can understand, God. We confess that we're a bit deaf, a bit blind at times, but you're the one who opens the ears of the deaf and the eyes of the blind. Open our eyes and ears today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes to sit quietly. Would you please, if you've got anything at all, just wave your hand at me, any sort of thought, impression, Bible verse, something that you think's got the hallmark of God on it. Anyone at all got anything? Thank you. One, two. Ladies first. Well, could you mind sharing what it is? Okay, that's really helpful. So again, a simple, well-known song, This Little Light of Mine. Is there somebody here today who's felt, this candle is not, you know, it's just a little thing, and maybe a little bit shy about exposing that light, maybe comparing themselves to other people? I don't know. Maybe that spoke to you. Ed, what, what did you have? Yeah, just to remind, uh, last week, uh, we just, uh, just walking downstairs into our hallway, and there's this kind of, um, this red light shining into our hallway. And where on earth is that coming from? It turns out it was kind of sun shining off the next, the next door neighbour's red car through our window into the hallway. Um, and I just kind of felt a little bit like this whole thing of kind of reflecting something of God's glory and actually being something that's really kind of fascinating and interesting, something really kind of beautiful, something extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been a bit off. Okay. How interesting. I mean, it's, it's interesting. In the New Testament, prophets seem to complement one another in their words. You know, and um, Paul, when he's writing that Corinthian church, says, if, if someone's speaking and then someone else gets a word, well, the first one sit down, the other one come up. And I found sometimes in a gathering, and, and prophecy can often work really well in a gathering, different words complement one another. You think, oh, God's speaking multiple ways, multiple times. And I think there's a little link between Ed's picture of the glory and your picture's name, I don't know. Amy. Amy, of the candle. Honestly, the candle flame is only there actually because of the glory of the sun, isn't it? It's the same light. And, and, and there's times when, when and it, may, it may be that, that for you, I don't know what, what you felt through that picture that Ed had, but I, it felt to me that, that God is saying, actually, my ability to shine my light is profound and he can use you together, individually, and it's for the glory of God. So... Did, did anyone else have, a, have a, a, a little picture or word or sense of, for, of anyone for anything? I just had a picture. Well, I, I was reminded of the wind in the willows. Yeah. Where the, the mall, yes, the mall, the mall, the mall's world was opened up because he met um, okay. the water, water rat. The water rat, yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So... And what do you feel God was saying through that, that, that calling to mind of that familiar story of, of Moly coming out of his little hole and meeting Ratty? Yeah, um, sort of like God is opening up a new 
Okay. So maybe for, for someone here or some, someone here, God wants to open things up, open a new world, a new perspective. Actually, for Moly, he was coming out of the darkness into the light. That was a big thing for him, to come out of his little hole into the light. Is God calling us to come into the light, to shine our light? Is he saying, my light is shining on you more powerfully than you realize? So for me, um, my, my sense from God today was, was really Father's Day. The biggest revelation that Jesus came to give us was that God was our Father. And that he's not just any old Father, he's our Abba Father. He's not just a remote kind of austere Father, he's a Daddy Father. He's a Father who loves his children, who wants to embrace and draw them near. And for many of us, we do not believe that God is as good a Father as that. Honestly, that's a familiar word. You've heard that loads of times. But today on Father's Day, with all of the challenges, Father, is God saying, my revelation to you is that I am your Father. And if you fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts to children, I'm the how much more Father. So, does anyone in the room resonate with anything that's been shared and think, yeah, that's helpful for me today? Could you wave your hand at me if you just put your hand right up in the air so I can see it? One, two, three, four, five people maybe. Okay, so what we've just done is we've 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 had a sermon <laughs> and then we've also done some listening together, and in that listening, God has done something for everyone. So just for you you guys with your hands up, can we just pray for you? I mean what what I'd love to do. Oh, we, won't, we won't spend too much long now, but if, 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 if you want to put your hand up again, I just want to pray that God's word, just, just, wait, just see where people are with their hands in the air, they're sitting around them. They're all men, actually. This is Father's Day. If you're fathers, you ought to be blessed. So maybe just put your hand on their shoulder if you're sitting near them, and let's pray a blessing. Father, I want to thank you so much for the, um, the people today that you've been speaking to, not just through the sermon, but directly through an image or a word that's been shared from this congregation. And we want to pray, Lord God, that, that, that your blessing, your love, your mercy would be on them. I pray that they would each know that they are lights where you put them. I mean, they may feel like a small light or, or a, a flickering light, but Lord, you are the light that's shining on them, shine through them. Lord, help them to walk into the light of all the fullness that you have for them. And today, remind each of us that you're our Father, that you're for us. And if you're for us, you could be against us. Amen.